Welcome to the True Blue LA podcast. I'm Jacob Birch. Eric Steven is with me. The Dodgers is a whatever. They did, they did something about a week ago. It wasn't All I a know win. is we said we were going to wait to record the, a series preview for the Dodgers if they won. But all I know is the, the, the National League team, the World Series has its National League team. So what are we recording today? Yeah, I don't basically? understand. I don't get it. We're yeah. gonna We're going to talk about that. Not so enjoyable game five. It was, it was a good game, but not not in not in the Dodgers' favor. Uh, do a, a little bit of cleanup on sort of offseason news that's trickled out in the week since, and I think just kind of hold each other, Eric. I think I, I think that's all I need. I need a hug. virtually. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're recording in uh, different states at the moment, uh, and but yeah, we are we are virtually hugging each other. Uh, I'm holding. My microphone cord, rather, I mean, my earphone cord rather tightly. So, in a sense, I mean, that you can pretty much feel it through that, right? I can feel it. Yeah. We'll do that all after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So I guess we should start with game five. Hmm. Which series was this? This was the NLDS against the Washington Nationals. The, your, your National League champion. Pennant winning. Na- Na- Nationals League champion. Uh, yeah. Like, it's it was so long ago because the Nationals <laughs> have won two series since the time we last recorded. What a, uh, Like, night and day. Like... 
I'm sure this isn't too consoling for everybody. That has to feel good to have a team go take take a team to the brink where you are one home run a little longer, one Clayton Kershaw slider a little less hun from maybe maybe yourself being the team that demolishes the Cardinals. Yeah, and well, and then like look at the flip side, right? Because there's there's two ways of this. Like, you know, if you're a Dodger fan, you're just like, oh, great, like. Yeah, could have been us. Why aren't we in the World Series? Yeah. Blah blah blah. But look at the Braves. Like the Bra- the Braves got punked at home. They lost Game Four in a walk off fashion. They had a similar like, um, not quite. Um, we'll talk about it, but not like it wasn't at home. But it was like a possible go ahead home run in this like weird postseason of not as excuse me not as many home runs. Um, uh, and then they lost game four. And then in game five at home, they had a home game just like the Dodgers did, but they gave up 10 runs in the first. Like that, they had their hearts ripped out from a, them against the Cardinals. And to top it all off, then the Cardinals like absolutely get decimated by the Nationals. The, the, the Nationals outscored the Cardinals 20 to 6 in the NLCS, <laughs> and four of the runs came tonight in game four. So, like, uh, they they have to watch their division rival nationals do what they couldn't do. Like the uh, it has to be just absolutely like uh, like that's if we're talking which which um, division winner got the most crushed by losing the division series, it's the Braves. So the Dodgers at least have that, I guess. I don't know. That said, if we want to talk about getting crushed, that game five went a long way in that feeling. There's a lot of talk. I know this happened uh, amongst some Trouble LA writers, and I'm sure it happened in various social groups and maybe amongst uh, your all's friends. But like, does does this feel worse than the last two years losing the World Series? And I I don't want to necessarily evaluate it yes. quantitatively, but <laughs> yeah. to me, it hurts. It is a different kind of pain. Um, and I'm, I'm not, I don't know, like, I think this hurts worse than last year for sure. I don't know about games two and five of 2017. Those are, those were a special kind of hell that, that yeah. I went through. Um, but, like, I went into the series texting, I, man, it was, I don't think it was you. I think it was a, another friend of mine. And I went into the same, I'm like, I just don't want Clayton Kershaw and Kenley to be the bad guys. And I, I, I well, sort of got, half, right? I'm about to say, sort of got half my wish. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, <laughs> yeah, like Kenley didn't do anything bad, but that's because he was so bad during the regular season that he wasn't trusted. So, uh, right. Imagine, imagine like the worst way possible to lose a late, a game, like a series deciding game at home for, from a narrative standpoint. Yeah. Like the Dodgers <laughs> kind of rolled out all the all the possibilities and especially like, from, from you and i everyone. like going into this i really like dave roberts uh he was one of my favorite players when he was on the dodgers he seems to be very affable uh a very uh player's first coach i like him i want him to do well uh, clayton kershaw i love he's my favorite baseball player of all time i want him to do well and this just just crapped on it in the most dramatic heartbreaking fashion uh, before we keep going, I do want to mention this is going to be a very stream of consciousness episode. Yep. Your outline to me is almost always like six bullet points. Yeah. Yours is four bullet points, but three of the bullet points have it's something like twenty five sub bullet points. So we're gonna we're gonna really just be kind of going from the hip here. So bear with us as we 
this is group therapy, I think. Yeah, and so like uh, just a peek behind the curtain here too. Usually when I send you the notes, I I do condense it because I, I I write these like uh, if I'm especially looking up stats or something, or like I just want to make sure I hit certain things or certain points, and so I make the sub points, but I don't email them all to you unless unless they're like uh, something that were relevant uh, that we're both talking about or something. Uh, so I happen to just did, do a quick cut and paste tonight to send it over to you. <laughs> and, uh, and so you got, you got the whole shebang. So, and even then, I don't know, this is, a this, this is from the heart. So Walker Bueller, pretty damn good. Yes. Okay. So yeah. Okay. Let's, let's, let's just go just, through it. Let's just go. We'll rip the bandaid. So the, the brain, that aforementioned Braves Cardinals game was the, the day game on Wednesday. Uh, both, <laughs> both games. Five, and then they had like, all the pregame stuff, like we're waiting to talk to like managers. I forgot who spoke before game five for the Dodgers because uh, they didn't do the next game starter because it was, you know, a new series. So I don't remember who spoke actually, but um, everyone's like looking at their phone like, wait, what's the score in that game? Oh, it's already like four nothing and Fultonavich is out. And then like, then it, oh, it's seven. Oh, it's 10. Oh, no. Like <laughs> it just got really dark early. So, off the heels, that game was over so early, so everyone's like just waiting for Dodgers Nationals. The National League were the only two games that day, and then the Dodgers come out. And, and look, Strasburg has been wonderful, like just absolutely great. He carved the Dodgers up in Game Two. He had three scoreless innings in the Wild Card game. He comes into that game, and the, the we talked about this. They have to like get his pitch count up, you know, and they did like early. And then Muncie also hit a two-run home run against him. I, I think I texted you this. I, I know I texted my brothers this. I can't remember the press box ever shaking like that. It, yeah. Like when Max Muncie hit a two-run home run in the first, um, the Dodger team was very loud and like very active. And it's you know it's an old stadium, but it's like pretty structurally sound and it's not like i was you know, watching these, like, from my from my home in kansas city yeah. so i can't attest to how loud it was then the loudest i have ever seen dodger stadium was the um uribe home run that was pretty that was pretty loud too or like but in terms of like i literally like you know you, you say you like you, uh, something gives you goosebumps yeah like i i could feel this moment like more than anything i will say this for the uribe home run i was sitting in the back in the dining room so maybe I wasn't at that, but I know that was super loud. Um, so yeah, that, I will say that that could have definitely been one. The Turner home run was pretty loud. This was, uh, I think, narratively, yeah. we talk about that, just like yeah. which definitely fuels how I think your average fan feels going into this game. This was mm-hmm. as close as I've felt. Like I did not know if the Dodgers were favorites, and I tend to be a fairly optimistic fan. I didn't know, and a lot of that hinged on well they have Strasburg going and he's so good generally so good in the playoffs and so good against the Dodgers so if you can score a run with him while Walker Bueller looks like he's on which he did for most of the night you feel like how do you lose this game right and so and then Kike oh that was another thing so we talked remember we talked about um like for sure Pollock's not going to start despite his numbers against Strasburg because he was struggling so bad and then we talked about possibly not starting Lux and we were saying maybe David Freeze moves in. They went a different direction. They put, um, <clears throat> excuse me, they, whoever you chose here, uh, it was either Beatty or Kike was the other guy in. Uh, but, like, Beatty started um, and played first base, I believe. And yeah, Kike was in left. So 
Uh, I think that's right. Uh, and um, Free, Freeze was left in the pinch hit, right? Yeah, later. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but like, um, so Kike started, which was like, I think we texted something like that was a surprise because you figure, like, uh, well, you know, they probably did it like for defense. Reasons, Dave, right? Dave Roberts yeah. actually did say because uh, Walker Bueller is more of a fly ball guy, so Kiki is like their best defensor, defensive player of those of that group. Bellinger's their your best defensive player, but like Kiki is right there, I think. And um, so, like, I was thinking like Chris Taylor is an option if you're going to go that route, you know. And it's that not was, like David. That Fries was sort of first. what I had been thinking, yeah. And but so they went defense and left, and it, it, I think he made like a uh, a weird like diving. Yeah, catch he kind of had like a bad read on it up off the bat, but then yes. made up for it and made a really good catch afterwards. There were a couple of those in the series, like by both teams. Um, but like, yeah, he would say, oh, <laughs> um, uh, "So yeah, Kiki hits a home run, so like immediately justified because there was like so like I got a lot of lineup tweets that day. Uh, people were like, yeah, and so that was fun." Uh, so three nothing, right? And then Bueller's kind of like not cruising, but like doing very well. He's yep. he had a great game, and uh, so Dave Roberts said before the game, like I, I'm going to ride him tonight. That was his actual quote, and he did. He uh, he threw like uh, into the hundred and teens in pitches. He rode him until the uh, seventh inning, and he left with two on and two out. Yeah, you and I At were talking point, a little bit. I thought. If we had done this episode the day after the game, yeah. we might have ranked the yeah. Dave Roberts blunders, for the lack of a better term. And you think there were you said there were only two, but I think one of them it, that we didn't talk about is like, did he leave Bueller in too long to get uh, two yeah. men on the bases? Now I think uh, you mentioned four, and I will agree with you. I think mostly they're sub points of my two, <laughs> which is. Fair. But you're you're right because like, but um, so the first. Thing is like day off after game four, uh, you have like a essentially the full bullpen yeah. available. And th- this and, is really interesting because Dave Roberts, the presser beforehand, there were two things that really kind of came across on this. You know, you're able to advance um, all hands on deck, but they also kept kind of going back to this this affinity for piggybacking um, Bueller and Kershaw. Right, and usually what that means is especially with the starter who's not used to relieving. I know Kershaw did it like uh, that last Sunday of the regular season and he's done in the playoffs before, but it's not, it's not a familiar thing. So like, especially this year when he's been so bad in the first inning. Right. And usually what that means is like uh, your piggybacker will come in to start an inning. Fresh inning, maybe the back half of a lineup. And if there's like a, a situation in an inning like Bueller had in the seventh, that's what like Pedro Baez is for, mm-hmm. you know, or, or look in this specific situation, because uh, we'll get to this since they didn't use him later, uh, they could have used Adam Kalerik to get Adam Eaton out at the end of the seventh um, to face one of the two like uh, Nats lefties. I guess Matt Adams is the third, but you know, he, he was a pinch hitter only. Um, they went with Kershaw lefty on lefty. Fine. I get it. The, um, he got him, and like this was like, oh my god, I can't believe they're breaking him in this. They're like setting him up to fail. This is a weird situation. They have a full bullpen. They like, why are they doing this? And then he like carves up Eaton on three pitches. It's like, oh okay, okay. Kershaw got his guy. That's cool. And then they got through it. And Kershaw goes out to start the eighth with Adam. This is where like sort of my first point. Although you you mentioned that Kershaw 
bringing him in, that's also a point. But like, uh, so you have um, Rendon and then Soto, righty lefty, and, th- and that's kind it's, of what we're getting. You're bringing him on high leverage in the, fir- in the, the yeah. first instance because there's there's men on, and it's the middle of the lineup. Really, the only uh, until the very very end, and the, your your NLS MVP, Howie Kendrick, decided to hit real good. Um, yeah, Rendon and Soto were really the two the, the only two batters I was afraid of, and to bring yeah. Kershaw yeah. in in an unfamiliar ish role. Uh, to face them, no, like if you're going to bring him in the face, Eden, that's fine. But then to have them also face the two best hitters just was nerve wracking to me. I didn't want to say Ron. I don't like. Yeah. I don't like thinking I'm too much smarter. But boy, in hindsight, I can say that that was correct to be well, doubtful. Well, like enough, enough people were questioning it at the time. Like Absolutely. you're pressing your luck at that point. Like and and not the cool way, like with Peter to market. Um, <laughs> it, it, you're. We just got up watching a clip of a bunch of game show stuff, so we're sorry if we're a little loopy right now. Uh, yeah, so at the, like again, full complement of relievers available. I know I don't think Roberts went into it last game. I have to believe, given the way they use people, that like I don't think he mentioned this, but like he, um, I there's a good chance that uh, one or both of Pedro Baez and Julio Urias weren't available. Mm. And like that is a like a huge sort of dent in the bull in the way they use the bullpen. Um, so at this point, you're like Caleric is your lefty on lefty. To this point in the series, he faced Juan Soto thrice, strikeout, ground out, strikeout, didn't pitch in game four. Um, so your option at this point, Kenta Maeda, you know, different than Kershaw because they they always move him to the bullpen earlier in September, get him, and he he has a specific skill where he like blows away right-handed hitters, especially when it's his stuff's playing up in relief. He uh, He's, like, good at it. Uh, it's not that unfamiliar to him. And mm-hmm. so you can bring him in, even if it's just to face one batter to get uh, Rendon. But I – okay, like, just playing devil's advocate for a second. It's 3-1, right? So mm-hmm. we learned in hindsight that R- R- Kershaw was going to face three batters. That was the plan. Uh, two lefties with Rendon in between. I, in my head, I'm thinking, don't let him face the tying run, basically. Like, so if Rendon got on, like, he wouldn't face Soto. Like, it, that's what I was thinking in my head. But um, Rendon, Rendon didn't get on. He, <laughs> he crushed a pitch for a home run, uh, as, as Kershaw's want to do these days. Um, so it's 3-2. And you're like, oh man, starting to worry. But okay, lefty and lefty, like they they're not making the move. Okay, so it's clearly he was gonna. They said this after, mm-hmm. but clear it's left. That's what they want, lefty and lefty. First pitch to Juan Soto, gone. Like it unraveled so quickly, and like it was just uh, like amazing. And like so, th- but like at this point, right? Series not lost, but like still devastating. Yeah. Um, still five outs, or no, uh, still six outs to get because it's it's uh, eighth inning with no outs, and then they they do bring in Kenta Maeda, faces three right handers and absolutely obliterates <laughs> them, three strikeouts, and it's like of course, right? But you know, hindsight, all that stuff. He's facing different batters. I get it, but like, um, okay, so at this point, you get through the eighth. They don't score in the eighth. It goes to the ninth, and then again, full complement of relievers available. Uh, the issue was here, um, 
Maeda spot came up in the eighth inning. So yeah. there was a lot of like, well, why didn't they just leave Maeda? Well, they could have, well, they would have yeah. had to do a double that's, switch. That's a, there were definitely, there are a couple things and we'll talk about another one yeah. here just a little bit that I thought <laughs> these remind me of the complaints I've seen over the last two years, which I either really disagree with and thought Roberts made a fine move or that or thought, you know, this is, this is so close. This isn't the reason why they lost the players lost this game. Right. Um, I, I think uh, Farhanzadi used to call those like, like fifty-two, forty-eight moves, or yeah. something like, or it could go either. And way. And yeah. on on the crucial one, maybe you could just like like you said, if Urias and Baez were out, help. But I just have such a hard time believing the Baez couldn't legitimately pitch one guy, Rendon, one yeah. one guy with a day's rest in between. That seems like really sketchy to me. That 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 would be the case. So um, and the reason this is a little sketchy, it didn't. So the way the postseason works, um, uh, coverage wise. There's always like there's MLB like sets the uh, sort of tone and there's an interview room and like every game pregame there's manager and then the next day's starting pitcher. Uh, if there's if there's an off day, it might be like a different odd player or something like Cody Bellinger spoke one of the games. Um, Gavin Luck spoke another, but then post game it's always like both managers talk at some point and then it's usually the starting pitcher that night might come in or like a winning player who did something, they might come in and it's just kind of, but then that all the stuff in the interview room is like, they have a transcription service that does that. But uh, in the inside the locker room, that's where you get your like more like personalized stuff. They do more, they set up like this screen there. So there's probably like three or four, like, like uh, main interviews or something in front of the, because they all end up going on TV. So they have to have the stuff in the background that has the sponsors and stuff. So, from a from a working solo standpoint, like I am, I don't, I'm not, I'm not the LA Times with like you know six guys or whatever, uh, six reporters, and like they can like split off and do different things. Uh, I a lot of times I'll go in the clubhouse and then rely on the transcription later, and also it's a small room anyway uh, to get in there, so it's hard to get a question. I didn't talk to Dave Roberts post game. Uh, I was only looking at like what was asked and it, like that's pretty digging deep into the stuff. But one of the answers he gave was something like, um, uh, you know, given like, he didn't say given who was available, but it was sort of the way he presented it, like the way I was reading it. So that's where I sort of figured, and again, it's not said in stone. I don't know this for a fact, but it seems the way they managed. Um, uh, so anyway, again, full complement of relievers outside of bias and furious. Um, and they bring in Joe Kelly. Uh, to start the night, then you're you're like, and here's, you know what? Here's where at it, this like, point, yeah, like yeah. he's to me, oh, he had he had a bottom bad of game. the order, yeah. Bo- so fine, yeah, he that's had, what he you had, yes, say. he had a bad game in game four, is that three game three, uh, yeah. but he had a fine game in game one, and since middle of May or whatever, has been one of the bet- Dodgers' best relievers. I I was very nervous about that again, thinking of narrative, like oh god, this is of course how the Dodgers' season is going to go blow up. Is Joe Kelly's going to go give up a bunch of taters? But my that was my heart. My head was like, no, this this makes total sense. Spot on the order is a really good time to kind of get through. And that first move, bringing him in the knife, proved fairly correct. Yeah, he got he, he got through the three like easy peasy, right? Bottom of the order, one, two, three. I will say this. So he another concern with Kelly was that so he for the last like month of the season, maybe the last three four weeks. General. He had, they were like, it was like basically general body soreness. They were being very vague about it. 
And they're like, well, it's not like a major thing, or but they were never really specific. Uh, so in the exit meeting with Andrew Friedman, which was Monday, I did not go to it because I had a couple of appointments that I had to miss, or I had to miss that for those. Uh, but I was looking at some of the tape, and uh, uh, they mentioned, he mentioned Joe Kelly, and it said his injury started with the knee and the quad. Uh, there was some lower body stuff, then it just got to arm, uh, just arm soreness. There was nothing structural. It was nothing big. So, like, it really was generally general soreness or whatever, and they were just sort of letting him rest. Yeah, basically and if it's nothing structural, that's a guy that you think probably can kind of will his body for a little bit. Not yeah. necessarily a guy, especially given yeah. the body of work in the season, that you want to send out for another inning against right. the top of the lineup. And it This only is, got to me, to that... by far the worst move, the, first, the most mind-boggling decision Dave Roberts made. I want to say this for uh, getting back to Kershaw for a second, just because we were sort of on him. So he, you know, he was fine in game two. Like he gave up three runs early, but he got through six. That, like, that's a winnable game, right? Absolutely. That's, that's Absolutely. not. You're not going to like castigate a guy. Or you're not going to like. Uh, He's in the back half of his career. There. He was the third starter. This that totally acceptable performance to me. Right, and then, but then I think Andy McCullough had a really good thing in the um, Athletic today, essentially saying that the Dodgers need to move on from like the myth mythology about Clayton Kershaw. And like basically just treat him like a pitcher, you know, like yeah. and not not like oh this guy's our savior. We have to because that's how they were which, sort of using him. So, well, what's really interesting to me is I feel like they kind of did that for a lot of this year in the regular season, right. and yeah. and there's a lot we'll have a question about this where because the Dodgers just felt no real leverage basically at all in the regular season starting the beginning of May, maybe that isn't as telling as we thought. But I had thought, especially when they made him the third starter, like this was it. Like you you know what you got. You have a the best pitcher of his generation on the back half of his career is going to give up a little bit more home runs because he doesn't have the velocity anymore. And if guys guess right, they're going to hit the ball out of the yard because the stuff just isn't there. But still a very good, very effective 2-3 starter. So uh, just going back to the the – uh, post game locker room, there was a lot of like shock and sadness in the Dodger locker room. Like they're like stunned that their season ended right that night. They had obviously bigger plans, and so that's that's the harsh thing to deal with, right? Uh, and I remember 2017 was bad in in terms of like post game locker room. There was a lot of like, oh fuck, we lost, right? Oh, and uh, like, sorry, you know, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, and so it deserves it. we were we were uh, there. Like I remember I. Oh, man, I want to say like I can't remember was Kershaw drinking wine. I don't. I, I don't want to like. I don't want to make this like a meme or something. If he was, I. I'm trying to remember. He was just like so, like like a. He was just sad in 2017. Yeah. Like they lost. Right. He's like it was like that was the year. I think we're gonna look back. At, like especially if they don't win in the next couple of years, we're gonna look like 2017 was the year. Yep. Right. And like they had it and. um so there was a lot of that, but I will say this, like he seemed much like it, like this one got to him more, I think, or I, I think it's just, maybe it's all the weight of everything. Um, so like, like his postseason ERA, it's 443, like full stop. That's it. There's no, I'm not like trying to parse different things. Like, of course, there's obviously I, didn't I, go into that. I'm just yeah, saying. And like, you, I, I think he has absolutely been mismanaged many of those years. No amount of mismanagement gets that to an elite playoff pitcher. So Maybe that gets you the sub four, but that's it. Right. This is what Kershaw said oh, after the game. Oh, uh, 
everything people say is true right now about the postseason, and I understand that. There's nothing I can do about it right now. It's a terrible feeling. And, it, it, it like, the delivery of it was like, you know, uh, like, you know, like, again, that's that's what it felt like. So there there was, like, a legitimate sadness in there. Um, Rich Hill got, like, really choked up. Well, he's a free agent, for one, and, like, so uh, that's one thing. But, like, especially when he was asked about Kershaw, he had to stop because uh, he was, like, almost crying. Um, and, like, you know, uh, I'm trying to see. Oh, he said, we uh, we wouldn't be here without him. And then that's the point where he, like, he, like stopped himself. And then he said, I have the ultimate respect for him. You know, and then, like, it was like, man, that was, like, the just the tears were uh, – there was a lot of hugs uh, in the in the post-game uh, clubhouse. We're going to – But oh, so, so getting – oh, go ahead. No, yeah, you know, save your thought. We're gonna take a break. We're already a little overdue. I'm gonna cry in the uh, the aftermath here, and then we'll be back right after this break. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay. We were talking about Rich Hill making me sad. Making me cry. Yep. Um, okay. So back to Joe Kelly. Uh, you <laughs> mentioned you. <laughs> now you just want to make me mad. <laughs> yeah. This is the, uh, it's like a DJ of terrible moves. Um, so... The the big thing was obviously bringing him back for the second inning, but <laughs> the reason we we got to that point was because oh, the no. Dodgers did not walk off in the ninth. Um, okay, so, now so we've gone from sadness. This we're out of order here: sadness and then anger, and now I'm in is unacceptance. What's, it's pretty yeah disbelief. Like that there we go denial yeah, yeah, yeah. denial in the Will Smith home run. <laughs> so. Okay, so remember the Cody Bellinger home run in Game Two in 2017 that didn't go out? <laughs> Do I was like, yeah, and so like th- this was that, but like it's in a weird way, it's different because this season we've talked about it a lot. Like ball was juiced, like um, uh, the ball was different, and it there it flew more, like it, more home runs than ever, like by a lot. And then the the Rob Arthur on baseball perspectives has done a lot of great work on this, uh, just using pitch FX data, and I'm like and like uh, basically the air resistance is is higher this postseason, and a lot of you know people have said, well, you know it's better pitching, it's the weather, but like he looked at like the variance and like uh, it's it was something like one in a million chance that they didn't change the ball. <laughs> Like, uh, so essentially MLB and like MLB is being really vague about this. Like, Oh, well, well, you know, it's the same from the same batch. I don't know what's going on. And then but like MLB owns Rawlings. So like they're being really, that's the weird part. It doesn't, they don't have, it doesn't have to be like this big conspiracy thing that they're 
messing around yeah, with the ball, but the fact that the fact that like, yeah, the fact I think that nobody knows is like what's the might be like, oh, they did it intentionally. I would, I like maybe they did, but I would, I much more rather believe in a cost saving move. They changed something, and an inadvertent effect is all these home runs. That to yeah. me seems like by far the most likely scenario. Either way, just say yeah, ball's a little different this year, and it might be different next year, and that's fine. Just say yeah. it. Well, but like, what? It's weird because no matter what they did, like the way they're acting about it Ugh. makes that a story, yes. and like it's like detracts from like the actual really good baseball going on. But the fact is in the playoffs, there's been several like absolute shots that like would have clearly been out in the regular season and um, have not, just haven't gone out. One of those uh, was Will Smith (laughs) in the ninth inning. Um, So I was looking at this. uh, uh, Kike's on first uh, with one out. Who? Uh, uh, What? Sorry. It's good. Second, yeah, and um, <laughs> uh, Smith hit a ball to right field. Uh, it was a hundred point three miles an hour at the bat. Uh, had a six forty expected batting average, um, and it fell right right into the glove of Adam Eaton at the wall. Uh-huh. There was a shot where Will Will Smith like flipped his bat, and like he, the, I got a good screenshot of it. His eyes are like, I just ended this. This is great. <laughs> Jeff Francoeur, as they're showing the replays, like I thought, Will Smith just ended it there. <laughs> That's what he said. Um, it did not go out. And then uh, I, someone um, uh, tweeted out like an overlay of um, twenty-six degree launch angle uh, with that exit velocity. Every ball hit with those specifications overlaid at Dodger Stadium, and like all of them, but like one are a home run. <laughs> Um, and then not, and it wasn't that one. It just like, this was before this. Yeah. So like pretty much every ball hit like that in, in his home run. And it wasn't, but like, so the funny part about this, right? Like, cause it happens, it's happened a lot. Um, and this, this is the harbinger of doom. Cause look, the, the series, it, it, if you just stop right here, the series is over. If that ball goes out, that's the fact of that. However, there was also a thing earlier in the game. Um, Howie Kendrick in the fourth inning of game five. Mm-hmm. This was back when it was still three to nothing. He almost hit a two run shot to center. The one that Bellinger made a leaping catch at, at the wall. Uh, actually was it three, three run shot? I think. Yeah. And so, uh, this one was hit harder than Will Smith's and long went longer and a, a slightly different, uh, launch angle. The expected batting average of this was 700. Smith's was 640. <laughs> But that was caught by Cody Bellinger. So it's like best of both worlds, right? Or like you can't say one would have gone out and then the other wouldn't have in this scenario. I <laughs> so I get it. But the same, at, the same, right, at the same time, it is super frustrating. Like uh, like from a – like it's – there's been a couple plays. Like uh, it's always funny to see the pitcher like react like, oh, I just gave up a home run. Or, you know, they have that face. And then it's like, oh, it's flying at the wall. Cool. Like uh, – uh, but then – there's been a couple plays like in the outfield where the outfielders like, Oh, and then they like have to react because the swing they saw all year long, like went a certain distance. And then now they're like, Oh wait, it's not going that anymore. Like we have to adjust. <laughs> so like, it's very, it's very odd. Uh, but anyway, um, so yeah, so, but the, so that Howie Kendrick home run, if you're a thinking person at that point, and, so at this point, I want to say uh, Howie Kendrick was one for 12 in the playoffs on that fly out. <laughs> 
um, that was not a home run. So uh-huh. how the <laughs> has that changed? Uh, maybe. maybe he's uh he, he's he's nine for twenty six since <laughs> with eight RBIs. Um, for those game uh, against Joe Kelly. Um, so uh, we're in the tenth, uh-huh. and then <laughs> okay, let's just back up for one second. When Joe Kelly comes in the ninth, right? You're you're at home. There's no you. There's no save you can get anymore. Yes, correct. So there's no saving your closer for a save. So the your best chance of winning is bringing your your best reliever in yeah. to make sure the team is scoreless. Yeah, either cetera, you don't trust him so much, so bring him in in yeah. the ninth and let him face the bottom of the order, or yeah. you trust him and want to give him the high leverage spot, bring him in in the tenth. Or so now, yeah, so, give right. the guy or, who is uh, awful in, when he goes for more than an inning, let's just bring him back out to face the top of the line. And who's coming off general soreness and all this <sighs> stuff and hadn't pitched two innings since August 24th. Um, so, no Kenley. Um, they did start warming up Adam Kalerik, which was like, oh, okay. okay. So he's, he might come in and face like Juan Soto again. And then immediately, like, Joe Kelly gets like two guys on at second and third. So they walk. Um, Juan, Juan Soto. They walk. They walk Juan Soto because well, <laughs> intentionally, uh-huh. instead of bringing Cleric to face him, and and then he said he want. Dave Roberts said on this he wanted to get a ground ball out of Kendrick. Guess who has a great ground ball rate? Better than Kelly actually does too. I will give him credit for this, but. Adam Kalerik, that's his thing, right? Like, but I get it. it it's it, you want a ground ball, so you can get a double play, whatever. So, this is how I sort of summed it up later. Um, so, we'll get to the Dodgers made like two. Oh no, I'm sorry. I, I won't. I won't get, put this on this for a second. Sure. They traded for one reliever at the trade deadline. We talked about this all. Oh, they need to get. They're going to get multiple relievers. They're going to add to their bullpen, blah, blah, blah. They added one. That was Adam Kalerik, who had a very specific role, and that was facing Juan Soto in key situations. Soto, who hit the game-tying home run against Clayton Kershaw earlier, who was 0-3 against Kalerik in the series, at this point, so that so they just walked him instead of bringing in the, the Kalerik for his one singular duty. So they ignored the singular relief pickup they added midseason, to let Joe Kelly face his eighth batter. And to me, that's like, it's the combination. Yeah. If you really are dedicated yeah. to, we have numbers on Howie, whatever, like we think we can get him a ground ball, let, limit it to one or zero runs. We really think having all of the four sets available to us is more important than um, Juan Soto. Maybe they thought Juan Soto was starting to pick up on it. I don't care. I don't really care. You can maybe convince me on that. I wouldn't. I still think it's nuts. Bring Cleric in. But then you don't let the guy that faces eighth batter, who not a guy right. that not the, not one of your three lawn relievers. Where's Dustin May? Where's where are all these guys that we thought we were told to trust and build trust into to get all these key outs as opposed yeah, to Clay Kershaw right. and a second and, inning of Joe Kelly? Like this, that's where you think. Like another thing, where's Pedro Baez? Where's like a right hander on right hander right there? That's that's his spot, right? Like yep. if it wasn't the eighth, it was that. So uh, Joe Kelly then gives up a grand slam to Howie Kendrick, old friend Howie Kendrick. Uh, Howie Kendrick, after that grand slam, uh, went on to win NLCS MVP this evening. Yeah. Uh, in the, so he sort of springboarded that. Um, so, yeah, game over, 7-3. Oh, but not, not before. Um, oh, yeah, so they bring, 
and they bring in Jansen after the Grand Slam. <laughs> Just the <laughs> ultimate, like, oh, man. Uh, and so, okay, so it was clear they didn't, like, trust him in that game. Just in general. Uh uh, Friedman was Andrew Friedman was non-committal in the sort of post wrap-up. Yeah, uh, he his quote I'll just give it to you from Bill Plunkett. Um, My sense sitting here is that Kenley will be our closer, and this is implying for next year, and then we'll see how things pan out. That's what, like that was like as far as he would go. So like, um, you really don't know. So he has uh, Kenley can de- can actually opt out. There's no chance in hell no chance. he will. Yeah. He's got two years and thirty-eight million dollars left. He would not—I don't think he would get thirty-eight million on a three-year contract right now. No, I don't. Given how so. the relief market is, and given how he's pitched, um, so there's no way he's so he's he's there. That's but that's—I mean, they, I'm pretty sure they expected that. It's fine. So yeah, uh, that's an issue. But we'll, we'll talk about offseason stuff later. Just that's that's where it was in Game Five. They did not trust him enough to bring him in. Any of those points we talked about before. Yeah. So. Down 7-3, Patrick Corbin started the ninth, and so lefty on the mound. Jock Peterson due to lead off. Understandable. You you pinch hit for Jock because that's what you do. You bring in a right-hander. Who do you bring in to start the the, (laughs) – A.J. Pollock, who was 0 for 12 with 10 strikeouts, who – Finished the series over 13 with the lefty strike. <laughs> I will say this. I got, I want to say, possibly at least two. And I, th- I can't remember if it was a third different message, which was basically saying, this is the white fucking flag. <laughs> like it was either text from brother, <laughs> email from uh, uncle. Like, you know, it's like they're down for it. It's, it's going to take like a miracle later. So they're figuring if Paul gets on, that that's. That's the miracle starter. Like uh, I, I, he had one of the worst series I've ever seen. Over uh, thirteen with eleven strikeouts. Yeah, and then so they just went down pretty quietly in the ninth, and they lost, and then it was over. Um, uh, I will point out just because, sort of, you know, like you said, teams lose games. Uh, not that this was not incredibly disappointing, but for the series. Uh, Cody Bellinger, the two best like position players they've developed in the last like decade. Cody Bellinger, four for nineteen, five forty nine OPS, five game series. Co- Corey Seager, three for twenty, three ninety OPS. Uh, Bellinger in his career, five sixty OPS in thirty six playoff games. Seager, six oh five in thirty one playoff games. Uh, you know, at some point, you would think that you know your best players. We talked about this earlier, like. In earlier years, like, uh, you know, Kenley or Kershaw or, or someone pretty, like, important did not come through in a big moment. And, like, it's, like, sort of the, the sort of pattern, not saying that they're necessarily chokers, but you, at some point, like, they have to hit for them to win. Yeah. Like, uh, so that's a problem when, like, two people you depend on um, just are not there uh, in the postseason. So that's an issue. Now... The fallout of this, um, like you mentioned, like just getting this off the the table. Uh, Dave Roberts is coming back. Uh, Andrew Freeman confirmed it. Uh, I think Jorge Castillo reported it a couple days ago that like they're not they're not firing him. But then it was even a question. Just shows you how terrible like game five was. I, I wrote that it was it was the worst game he's ever managed. I know a lot it's of people cl- are still to mad. Me it's, to me, it's not close. 
yeah, there a lot of people are still mad about like game two and pulling Rich Hill in 2017. To me, that to uh, me, those all made sense. Those were on plan. They yeah. had numbers to back it up. They had a plan that just didn't. Fail. You have a you have a dominant Kenley for two innings rather than current Kenley or like reduced Kenley or something. Yeah. I get it. But anyway, so we're not going to litigate two years yeah, ago. Yeah. But so, but it was so bad. Like it was literally like I think Ken Rosenthal wrote this. I think everyone was like intimating this was his Grady Little moment. Like it, all it took was like if one person, like if Mark Walter was like, "What the hell?" Like right? Like all it takes is like one one awkward like what the hell was that and then like he has three years left in his deal but it's like you just you make the wrong person mad and then and you're gonna go but i like they're smart they're not gonna like overreact to one game i get it um but it was so bad that like that was an that was a question although i think friedman like sort of downplays like i was kind of shocked that it was actually a question so in his mind probably was it I wonder about like ownership if they're thinking like oh, maybe well, ownership was on Robert's side like especially when he was hired but like and it uh, they continue back I mean I think generally it's good like uh, it's not always X's and O's but like sometimes it's like so egregious that sometimes you're like God like that was I will say, like, move on at that point, I but, think I've made it clear yeah. in my the exasperation in my voice on this episode I was not a fan at all of how Game Five was managed and this is coming yeah. from. One of the biggest defenders of Roberts, uh, I think I have been over the last, uh, since his tenure started. I definitely thought, despite being a defender, that he did not manage a good game. But at a certain point, if your team is a manager's mistake away from losing a ball game, that's on the team and that's on the players. And I would love to just watch to watch a Dodger team go three playoff series where the playoff, the excuse me, the manager can't lose it. Yeah. Uh, there was a point where, like, uh, even in game four of the NLCS tonight, uh, the Nationals pulled the Cardinals on the Cardinals. They went up 7 nothing in the first inning in, in game four. And then that became, like, 7-4, like, in the middle innings, and, like, Patrick Corbin was kind of struggling. And there was, like, an, uh, still a, bat, a runner on base. And, like, uh, Dave Partinas, like, kept him in. And it was like, man, he's really pushing it here. And it's like, yeah, it worked out. Sometimes it just works out. <laughs> like whatever, uh, Dave Martinez remind uh, mind you he uh, God, who did he intentionally he put the he put the tying run on base he walked in Muncy to game get to two. Will Smith right yeah like no to get to Seager or was it uh, I think it was Will Smith I don't remember yeah and that didn't cut. And that, so like and then Seager walked excuse me Will Smith walked and then Seager got to bat that's right yeah and so. Yeah, it's sometimes it works out. Sometimes you I would you mess love, up and it works and, out. And yeah. you know, you know, Kershaw got gate one batter where he kind of bailed uh, Roberts out. I'd like yep. just a few, just a few series of those. Win the win the one. Right at that point, like you you won with a seventeen because the dealer like six card busted or something. You're up. Like just walk away at that point. Like just leave the table. Uh, but so I'll say this about Roberts. On one sense, it he gets a raw deal because if he does well, he's a puppet for the front office, right? That's the criticism. And like he's not really managing the games, like blah blah blah. I don't I don't know what people actually think goes on, like in the game, like like they're calling down and making moves. There's a definite like um, relationship of like they talk about like strategy and planning and stuff, but like in game stuff. Roberts is making the decisions. Now, he's the front office is like providing him with a lot of data saying, hey, this would be cool if like you did it this way. But like, unless he's like, 
continues to like make like egregious mistakes, they're not gonna, you know, they they're not gonna like scold him or like say hey, don't, they just they just present him with the data and then he but he's making the decision. So like I think I think it's kind of unfair to him that he's like portrayed as this puppet when I don't think that's the case at all. Uh, but yeah, so the other thing, um, again, we'll talk about uh, off-season stuff later, but so Andrew Friedman, uh, his five-year deal is up after this year. He said uh, he's he's about to sign a new deal, so that that was kind of expected. I, I There were some like lump, like rumblings out of Boston because they fired Dave Dombrowski that, oh, maybe they're going to go after Friedman, but like doesn't sound like that's going to be the case. So um, yeah. So that's the case there. Um, the other sort of news that came out, uh, David Freeze was first. He retired. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was sort of expected. He's talked about it like uh, different times this year, I think. 36 uh, did really, really well in his time. Uh, pretty limited role, and he was injured a little bit. But, like, when he played, he was great. Very good. Very good Dodger experience for him, I think. Um, but, yeah, retired after 11 years. Um, the other one was Rick Honeycutt. Uh, pitching coach for 14 years. He, the last couple of years, they've talked about this. Like, eventually, he's going to move into like some sort of um, front office, like pitching specialist guru type uh, person. It's a little bit, a little bit of a less, lesser role where he doesn't have to travel as much. Uh, or um, he had a lot of like injuries this year uh, that he sort of dealt with, and so uh, I think that was part of it. But um, his 14 years on the job tied uh, Ron Paranowski for the most by Dodger pitching coach. And I'm pretty sure he has the most games because Paranowski's first year was 81 and his last year was 94, both strike years. So <laughs> take that, Ron Paranowski. Uh, no, uh, but yeah, so and then it's not official yet, but Mark Pryor, the bullpen coach, was expected to step in. He did a lot of uh, just general work in the planning and stuff this year. So that's, that's, uh, I think it's going to be seamless. Uh, we'll see. But Honeycutt had a very, very good run. He was Dodgers have always had like good pitching, like just in their history. But like especially under Honeycutt, uh, look, he 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 was a pitching coach during like Clayton Kershaw era, so that's part of it. But also like they had a lot of like you know other pitchers besides Kershaw, and he did a pretty good job of like helping develop that. So that was that's sort of his thing. So yeah, good good for Honeycutt. Uh, he had a good run, as we like to say. Well, I'm happy to move on from Game 5. We have a few notes. You might mention Game 5 in it a couple of times. I'm not looking forward to it. Uh, And then we've got five questions from Craig after this. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. 
So I have these questions from Craig, but I know you have sort of a, a potpourri of notes you wanted to talk about, just kind of in the the National League playoffs and some maybe some Game Five notes, some National notes before we moved on. Yeah, so I, I just I just laugh because like you know everyone talks about momentum in baseball and oh you got to be hot going into the playoffs and all the stuff. The Dodgers had their best month of the season in September and then they lost. Like, it's really funny how the, NLDS, like, like, the Dodgers <laughs> to show oh you need this to su- su- succeed. The Dodgers have shown they can take anything and fail <laughs> in the playoffs. Right, yeah. it could be awful September in 2017. Um, no stakes in 2019, or really high intensity. Every game matters in 2018, and they they can lose with them all. Don't worry about it. And so, but to extend that a little bit to the Nats, the Nats were down three nothing in their wild card game, and down in the eighth inning of the wild card game, one. Uh, they were down two one to the Dodgers. What one game four? They were down three uh, one with six outs to go in game five on the road. They won that game, and then they swept the Cardinals. So, like, uh, I, I always look at this because, like, they're going to – look, They get, their pitching has been ridiculous, the Nationals. Starting pitching, including Anibal Sanchez and then also Patrick Corbin, um, their starting pitching has, like, a 214 ERA in 10 games. So, like, it's it's Strasburg and Scherzer have been great, but also Patrick Corbin and Anibal Sanchez have been, real, have been really good. Uh, Corbin struck out, like, 12 tonight. They have, like – it's something like 35 strikeouts the last three nights from their starting pitchers. So pretty crazy. Um, but like, I always laugh at the, So the, the biggest like momentum shift I ever saw, uh, the 96 Braves. So they're the defending uh, world champions. They're down three to one in the NLCS to the Cardinals. They win the last three games, including the game seven, win 15 to nothing. They go into Yankee Stadium. Uh, this was when I believe Andrew Jones was 19 or 20. And he hit two home runs. They they blow out the Yankees in one of the two games. They win both games. So the Braves have won five straight games at this point. They outscored their opponents forty-five to two. They're going back home to Atlanta up 2-0, looking to win a second straight World Series, and they lose four straight. <laughs> so like it could change on a dime. Like uh, you, like you just you just never know. So like that's baseball, right? Like the Dodgers were buzzsawing people in two thousand seventeen. They swept the um, Diamondbacks. They went up 3-0 against the Cubs. They won that in five. They won game one against Houston, and they had a lead in game two, almost one. Um, oh. And <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and then, then they didn't. Then they didn't win. So, like, that's just how it goes sometimes, and the Dodgers will have to wait another year. All right, you ready for this? Yay. It's time for... Questions from Craig. Speaking of the Nationals, now that they have clinched the National League pennant, rank the following teams from best chance to worst chance to make their respective finals. The Mariners, the Lions, the Clippers, and the Maple Leafs. Okay, so... Who is most likely? uh, The Clippers, which is a weird thing to say in history. Yeah. Um... But, like, this year specifically in the NBA, wide open. Uh, the, like, the Warriors lost Kevin Durant. Clay Thompson's hurt. They're going to struggle a little bit. At least the, by the playoffs, they might be, you know, in full strength. Houston still has some problems. They're also they're going to figure out how to work the Russell Westbrook, uh, Russ Harden thing. The Lakers have Anthony Davis and LeBron together. But, like, 
something that will happen. Like I don't, I don't, I don't trust them yet. <laughs> but uh, like, there's a lot of teams. The Bucks are still really good. Like uh, Celtics are looking really good. The, the Nets are like getting there. They have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. I don't know if they're like championship ready yet, but like anyway, wide open league. But the Clippers, Kawhi Leonard, um, and Paul George, they have an excellent defensive team. Uh, I think like they're up there with like they have to be like considered one of the favorites. And I think just that alone puts them at number one for me. Um, man, number two is the Maple Leafs, who I know nothing about, but I know they're not the Lions and Mariners. So, um, and like weird things happen in baseball. And I, I think it might not, it probably won't be under Jerry DePoto. It'll be under whoever the next or the next general manager is. But I have to think the Mariners will get to the World Series before the Lions get to the Super Bowl. So I'm going with the Mariners and the Lions. Uh, Trivia, with the Nationals winning uh, tonight, the Nationals slash Expos are now – they have a one in the uh, pennant uh, collection. So the Mariners are the only Mm -hmm. only team in baseball history to never make the World Series, the only franchise – to never make the World Series. Ouch. My order, I think, I think, I think I go Clipper, Maple Leafs, Lions, Mariners, and I can see that. I, I just trust sort of weird parity in NFL a little more, even though baseball has shown itself to be a fairly high parity league. And by the, we're both quibbling over the fact that you think the Lions are going to get to the Super Bowl in 2088, and yeah. the Mariners in 2099. <laughs> Correct. I want, yeah, that's... I, I'm the other. I'm the other two years. Yeah. Of those, so, yeah. Do either of you think that there is anything to the idea of the Dodgers never having any real competition aside from themselves for the last two, three months of 2019 contributed to their postseason downfall? I don't think so. Like, you know, weird. Again, they had plenty of adversity last season and they their the offense went the way of the Dodo just as quickly. I mean, they lasted a little bit longer, but the offense was awful against the Brewers and just the Brewers kind of matched pace as well. Yeah, if you look back at that series, like they were very close to going down 0-2, and they had that home run from Justin Turner, like late in the I think in the eighth inning, and like Seven. that would have been brutal. But like, um, yeah, like it's hard to to. I think it's basketball is one of those where it is more of a flip the switch sport. Um, I think where you're either playing up or down to your competition because there's a flow to the game. But I think baseball, it's like. It's so like individual based. I mean, obviously it's a team game, but like it's it's the it's the batter versus the pitcher, and I think like that is still going on, and like they're still like going out and doing stuff, and I don't think the opponent necessarily matters. Like obviously you get up for certain games, but like I don't I don't think there's a, there's much to that because like you said, we've seen it like both ways. Uh, on that and really and really like just maybe, the only thing you could i think you could yeah. maybe talk about is maybe there's something to and i have no evidence for this this is just something i see i sure i've seen some people spitball it and i i i don't dismiss it outright is perhaps the dodgers more uniquely than other teams approach to hitting struggles against great pitching this came up a little bit in boston because they weren't um you know, they weren't playing the contact as often, high strikeout rates, and they fixed a lot of that this season. But perhaps there's just still something to that sort of 
Blanche Angle era that for whatever reason, when you face elite, elite pitching, which the Nationals clearly have, especially uh, lately to that. But even then, I think that's a stretch. Yeah. And another thing that was good this year, like you mentioned, they, they, so they decreased their strikeout rate. They're still like the best at, or one of the best at like not chasing pitches. Uh, but th- this year, as opposed to like the last couple of years, they were excellent. The Dodgers were at hitting uh, fast or high velocity fastballs. I think like ninety five mile an hour plus. Like they were excellent at that. And so like, not that every like good pitcher throws that hard, but like that's a pretty good barometer. This is of, a like, really good that. example of where I always feel at such a disadvantage compared to people who work at a front office not to say that oh they're so much smarter than me how could i ever do that i think we've we've heard enough stories to, after the fact it says like eh, sometimes they're just winning it but you have I, I have wondered especially after this cardinal series if the national scouting department especially when coming up with pitching plans it helps to have the pitchers they have but just nailed it in this this postseason yeah um, so like when look, animal look who, sanchez who... is pitching as good as he is i i wonder i wonder how good that report is well, he carved up the the Cardinals too. Yeah, like, absolutely. He, he has like his, his changeup is like slow, slower, and slowest, and like <laughs> they they literally call it a butterfly. And like uh, Steven Strasburg was not he was well he had like a lot of stuff on in both starts. Really, he struggled in game five early, but then he picked it up and got through six. Um, but like it wasn't his fastball necessarily. Maybe the command was great, but like he wasn't blowing them away. It was he was getting in game two. He was getting them to chase on every like curveball and changeup, and then they were like waiting that out a little in game five, which let them get to him early. That they just didn't score after the second inning, so that that's a problem. But like they they struck out like a ton in this series uh, against the Nationals. So like it was like everything they had like made strides on uh, went out the window. The the Dodgers, I believe, set a oh I had the series page up one second. Yeah, they said yeah, Woo-hoo, record. Uh, they set a record with sixty-four strikeouts in five games. Great. So, just as a comparison, the the Nationals struck out forty-two times in the series. So, oh, can't wait to stop talking about baseball. <laughs> I'm getting depressed yep. all over again. Here's here's a name that doesn't depress me. Rich Hill is certainly one of the most sincere and entertaining Dodger uh, players to be on the Dodgers in many years. But did management place too much on the idea of using him? instead of preparing another pitcher for that four-starter role come the postseason? Well, I guess, like... Um, I don't think so. I feel like I feel like they had come to the conclusion that there was no great option. Yeah. Fairly, and maybe they but, came to that too quickly. I think maybe maybe you could make that point. Right, and here's one of those things where it gets like... It's like a combination of things where it all is a one big ball of frustration. Because you look at it now, right? Um, <laughs> let me just... So... Let's like Dustin May ended up being like one of their better relievers in September. Also, not using Game Five, um, uh-huh. but like he's a starter, right? So like, it, and if it's not him, it's Gonsolin as sort of your Rich Hill backup. If Rich Hill wasn't like didn't prove Stripling, himself to maybe? sort of be healthy, but I <laughs> see they wanted him in relief, and again they didn't really use him in relief either. Yeah, so like, yeah. but he's another option. But then look at all these years. So like. Julio Urias coming off of like um, surgery, so this is his first year back. He's still. Uh, I am looking. I forgot what he did in two. Okay, 
So 2016 in the majors and minors combined, he actually did get to 122 innings uh, plus what he did in the playoffs. So like, but this year, 79 and two thirds innings plus. I'm not. I hate to say you have to go to two different pages for the postseason. Um, so counting the postseason, he pitched 83 innings, 84 innings, basically. Um, no, 83 innings, 83 innings. Yeah. And so now we kept hearing like, well, next year governor's going to be off, right? Like uh, we're going to, um, he, he's going to finally have a ramp to to be a starter. And then, uh, you know, at some point next year, they're going to be like, well, he did only throw 83 innings last year. <laughs> so like he, he has this like perpetual limit. So like eventually maybe this is a, another Strasburg situation where he just started earlier. And like so, like again, this was his age twenty-two season. So by age like twenty-seven, he's prob he's going to qualify for his first ERA title, <laughs> and like it, it's going to be with a different team because the Dodgers would be like, well, we couldn't we couldn't really push it that far this year. Cynical episode, I think we've ever done. Rightfully so. Yeah. After that, uh, game five, and, and so. so yeah, and that's another thing. Like uh, like Maeda, like <laughs> oh yeah, one of the things that came out. And he was like, well, we clearly see Maeda as a starter next year. Well, yeah, you say that every year. And then <laughs> uh, late August or September, he's going to be in relief again. So, like, it, like that's another option. Like, I will say the bullpen, like, game sucks. Like, um, starting pitchers have been really good. This postseason part of that, again, is the ball. But part of that is because starting pitchers are good in general. Like, they're good to have. Players who last long, I, I, I'm not trying to, like, belittle, like, the opener. I'm talking about an actual like bullpen game where your starter is not going to your bolt guy is not going to go more than like three innings or something, and like it wasn't realistic. To, they said Rich Hill would try to go four. It, I don't think it was realistic to expect that. So the problem with the bullpen game is that the more people you use to get all those outs, the more the likelihood of have someone having a bad game. And we saw that in Game Four, and they had the one bad inning where Urias was pitching a back to back and wasn't very good, and then. It just wasn't good. So, like, I don't. I would rather have a starter, and they have. They certainly have a multitude of pitchers who could start. But yeah, I wonder I, if that's over to get through 162 games. Maybe it's optimal to split all those innings up like that. But I, I, I have to think next year is the year where you know some of these guys get a run and like let them let them start, man. Yeah, and I think so too, and I think we'll see that. I definitely felt like. From again, we you, you always have to kind of predict Jason on how they're using your players. That they were trying to find someone that when they looked at it, they would trust for that getting them four or five innings in that game four, and they just didn't see a better option. Maybe Dustin May should have been that guy, but maybe they just had decided by the time he looked as good as he did, they had shortened his arm too much. I don't know. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm, I'm certain that's part of it. But then, then another thing, like again, like a bullpen like game is cool. When you're when you have like you know eight or nine relievers at the ready, which they had sometimes this year, um, and if all those are available, but like then you and get then it if you after use game, them in four, game four, they shouldn't hit you. They shouldn't feel burnt in game five. Yes, exactly, especially with the off day in between. So, like you, you, sh- yeah, it's just. Mm. I, I do like not it. think it's. I do not think it's the new opener. I do not think it's a strategic decision. Um, could they have done this year? Maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure. But we'll talk about who might fill that role in our off-season preview episode whenever we record next. Yeah, it'll be 
it'll be a cold day in hell before we we see another bullpen game in the playoffs. I've asked this before, yes. but <laughs> hey Siri, how's it going? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I didn't say Siri. How did that? How did that <laughs> trigger that? I've asked this before, but thought maybe time for an update. Besides, of course, this the True Blue podcast. What other podcasts will each of you spend time catching, listening to, catching up uh, for, uh, with for the next three or the four months? I'm just imagining you and me actually listening to a year's worth of, of our own podcast in the last season. Remember that Cody Bellinger pace update? That was a great we one. St- we send each other notes like, hey, nice prediction, idiot. You know, <laughs> that's basically all of it. Like You're just making fun of each other for being completely wrong on every prediction. Uh so I have fallen way behind. Oh, I actually have. How did this get made? I have like I think like eight or nine episodes, which is shameful. Uh, so that'll be a fun. Uh, that'll be a fun catch up. Um, uh, I would say there's a lot of Judge John Hodgman that I haven't listened to. I'm actually just scrolling through. Uh, Conan O'Brien needs a friend. Pretty good. I like that a little bit. I don't know if I could power through like like five of those in a row, yeah. but I have, a, I have a number of those saved. Um, I have been lap, um, lapsing on Effectively Wild, but a lot of those are timely. So That's definitely what I found, because um, two podcasts I really enjoy are basketball podcasts, The Low Post from uh-huh. Zach Lowe and um, Dunked On uh, from, uh, I forget his first name. Who's oh. his, Nate, Nate. I was going to say Nathan, but it's not Nathan. Nate, Nate Duncan. Um but again, and which are both really, really good. The Dunk Don podcast is extremely heady, and it's like week daily, and they're always like an hour and a half long. And I just like oh, if it's man. two days old, it's just so out of uh, out of rigor. So um, basically, when new basketball news happen, I'll turn on one of those. The Low Post yeah. it lasts a little bit longer. I found I find sometimes, so maybe I'll do that. Um, but I just don't drive that much, and that's really the only time I love listening to podcasts. Um, yeah. My wife and I make a uh, road trip twice a year that's about six hours each way. And Pod Quiz, the weekly trivia quiz podcast, nice. and um, Ask Me Another uh, NPR show. Well, I will usually bank those for that drive because they're yeah. really good for longer road trips. Um, I guess the only other one I want to shout out is Arena Deckless for any um, Magic the Gathering player. All right. There you go. Um, my trivia show is Go Fact Yourself, which I believe John Weisman was a a guest on as an expert uh, once. Uh, I think I have a, a bunch of We Got This uh, still on the Hopper. The podcast with Joe Posnanski and Michael Schur, I have a bunch of those still to listen to. There's a, a lot of – I have uh, I have lapsed on Infinite Inning. I do have a lot to catch up on. There's a couple of comedy bang bangs I have to listen to. Generally, I will – the ones I for sure will listen to every week, almost even if I'm busy, are like Comedy Bang Bang, The Doughboys, and uh, Never Not Funny uh, are like pretty reliable and that, that I'll listen to it. But the, the rest of them are like I'm just behind on. And but So I will say this. I, I am traveling uh, soon. I am going to the World Series. Uh, there exciting. was some – yeah, um, it will be the third year ago for me. Uh, this year I actually get to travel. Uh, it was originally sort of planned to that I was going to go to the first two games, no matter where it was. So I actually booked travel to Houston and to New York. Uh, but then the ALCS is the second series, and so they end either Saturday or Sunday. 
and I had like sort of planned my travel around maybe going on Sunday. And like, I was realized like, man, that might not happen. Like I might have to wait and I, and I have to rebook it. But then like once the nationals were up like three, nothing and we have a, uh, our box, like SB nation has an office in Washington, DC. I'm like, why don't I just go to the middle three games and I can go to the office like one or two days I'm there and actually go to the office and meet some of the people I work with, which is cool. So like the, then they're like, yeah, just do that. And so that's what I'm doing. Uh, but yeah, so I have a, I have two long plane rides and uh, including a layover in Austin both ways. So I will be listening. I'll be catching up on quite a few of these podcasts. And finally, last question of the episode. I'm going to name food, 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 three food, food, food items. Yeah. I want you to tell me if you are more likely to make this at home or eat it at a restaurant. You ready? Ooh, three yes. of them. Chicken. Uh, oh, wow. Um, I will say, I will say restaurant only because of fried chicken and mm. like, I, I do, but I make, uh, I eat like just like a uh, chicken breast or chicken thigh like pretty regularly at home, so that might be a close one. That may, make, might be like chicken is by far my most eaten protein, so it's definitely at home. A uh, buffalo yeah. wings are the one exception where a that's true. Restaurant item, yeah. I I guess it is probably home. But I think that's the one I enjoy the most in terms of like, like mm. suc- something like succulent or like juicy uh, chicken. Very good. So salmon. Oh, that's that's for sure home. Yep, same. I, I that's one of those. That's like an impulse buy for me if I'm in the grocery store. I'll be like, oh yeah, that sounds good, and then I'll like, I'll make it like that day when I get home or something. Like uh, I like I like salmon quite a bit. Last one, spaghetti. So I, I almost never order that out. There, there's been a couple times where I've gone to the old spaghetti factory just out of sort of nostalgia, and I will, I, I sort of enjoy that from a, an old school, like sort of like I very occasionally might go to Sizz, uh, very uh, occasionally go to Sizzler because that used to be a birthday thing for me growing up, uh, and so, but other than that, like I, I only eat spaghetti if I make it at home. Uh, I'm sort of the uh, pasta in general with like mac and cheese as a very special treat exception. Never make it at home anymore just because like if I'm eating it at home, I'm usually taking it as an opportunity to eat a little healthier. Um, Yep. So if I'm using red sauce, it's usually just on chicken or, you know, with greens or something like that. So I, that said, I don't know last time I ordered it eating out, but I'm going to, I'm going to lump that kind of broadly with pasta and say, yeah, restaurant. I could see that. Uh, so I, the, the one thing I, I mean, cause it's a lot of carbs, obviously. So I don't really make it a ton. It's just like a, it's a staple food. It's literally like I have, I think I have probably like four bags of spaghetti in my cupboard right now that, you know, it'll take a while to get through. Um, but the one thing I used to do a lot and I still sort of do, I don't go full like heavy sauce. It, I mean, it's, it, and I don't make like fresh sauce really. Cause I, I'm just eating for myself usually. And so. I will use like a, you know, something in a jar or in a can, but a lot of times I will just uh, do like a, a can of like diced tomatoes and then put a bunch of seasoning and like add mushrooms or something to that or, you know, do it something like that and then do that with chicken. So then it's a little bit lighter. Obviously it's still heavy on the carbs, but like that was sort of my 
I, my justification for, for like eating more spaghetti back in the day, although I really haven't eaten that a ton lately. And that's it. Oh boy. Yeah. So as um, is a tradition with you and me after the Dodgers season is done, it's been the end of the baseball season, the last two seasons. Um, you and I are going to take a little bit of a break, at least one week, maybe two. Yeah. Um, I think it'll probably both only be traveling one. in between. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think de- it'll depend maybe a little bit on how the world series goes and how it's looking probably. Right. It'll, it would be like whether the nationals win in four or five games against the Yankees <laughs> or Astros. So like, uh, yeah, uh, I think that's, that's true. We're both going to be traveling in between and then, uh, but yeah, pretty much after the world series, we'll, we'll have sort of a, a better like view of sort of what, like the Dodgers are going to do this off season. A, yeah. A lot of that off season stuff doesn't really start till the day of, or the day after the world series has ended. So, right. Which is you, which the last two years has been right after the Dodgers yeah. lose. <laughs> so, like, uh, so but now it's, nope. They, uh, well, there is still a possibility because obviously the Yankees or Astros will be favored. They'll, they'll have home field advantage over the nationals. The Astros are up two to one as of record. Um, but, if the Nationals were to somehow win, I think Dustin Nossler pointed this out on Twitter, that the Dodgers will have lost to the world <laughs> champion for the fourth straight year in the playoffs. So, yay! <laughs> right to them. We'll Sounds see like you in two weeks. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yep. Hang your banners.